Welcome to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and Dee. I'm Maz Mary. And I'm Dana DelVal. Whether you're a person on an addiction sobriety path, or you know someone who is, we're here to talk about our journey with it. And more importantly, we want to help end the stigma and shame of alcoholism. And we want to bring some hope and laughter along the way too. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. Good morning. Happy beautiful Thursday. We are so thrilled to meet someone who is brand new to both our lives, mm -hmm. minutes old in Maz's life, days old in mine. But um, you will learn that I have spent a lot of time. I've spent more time with her than she has spent with me. And so I feel like I know her really, really well. And we are delighted to have Dr. Amy Hoyt joining us this morning. So let's just bring her on and get right to the conversation. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? We're great. How are you? Well, thank you. Good. Thank you so much for joining us. This is really, um, I'm going to go right to thrilling. I'm thrilled. <laughs> thank you. Likely, so this is a huge thing. It's if true. Dana, if Dana's thrilled, she is. Yeah, I don't waste adjectives on things that aren't narrative. You know, I, I I get that from you. I like it. I, that's one of the things I really like about you. Well, <laughs> straight to the thank point. You. Thank you. Thank you. I love that. We'll stick with that for now. Love it. So, uh, Amy, you are on uh, to talk about two specific things, and I'm betting, without knowing, that they're actually pretty related. So let's start where we always start with. Take us from there to here, and your there can start wherever you want to start, and bring us up to sort of your most present here, and then we'll talk about the whole health lab. Okay. So my there started when I was pretty young. I was a senior in high school, and um, I was drinking every day and without letting anyone know and showing up for school, and that you know, very uh, untypical in terms of the high school experience where I was keeping my drinking secret because I knew it was excessive even for someone in high school. Mm. And um, my best friend called my parents and let them know. And I was so upset, of course, I felt very betrayed. And now I just think that was one of the most beautiful gifts that anyone's ever given me. Mm. So, so great. Are you still friends with this person? We are. We absolutely are. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm friends with most of the people I grew up with, actually, which that's nice. It is because they saw me at my worst. I That was one of the worst parts of my life. And I feel like I've, you know, we've grown through that. And so, yes, I have a deep appreciation for the people who stuck with me yeah. <laughs> through yeah. through the dark days. <laughs> well, well, that's when you know they're real friends. As my Absolutely. mother loves to say, everybody can do Christmas. Yes. Everybody goes up for the fun stuff. It's the hard stuff that yep. is where the rubber meets the road. Absolutely. Yes. So you'll love this part. My parents um, looked around and they tried to figure out what to do with me. And um, they actually sent me to Minnesota to Hazleton. Right. So, okay. Yeah. 
to their youth program. And so I spent 30 days in Hazleton and I was sure when I got there that they would tell me it was a mistake and my parents had overreacted, <laughs> but no, they kept me. <laughs> and then they sent me to a halfway house for six months. Okay. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So then I was in Wyzetta at a halfway house called Way 12. Okay. Um, and that's, I went, finished high school. I didn't actually quite finish. I tried to finish in Minnesota, but I did end up finishing back in California. So okay. that was a very pivotal experience. I mean, quite life-changing to spend that much time in such a concentrated um, treatment, really. I, I bet it was. And then also just to be totally out of your normal geography as well. I mean, Minnesota is lovely, but it's not California. Yeah. No, and it's not family, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So, but I just, I think that's why I have such an affinity for the Midwest and for Minnesota specifically, because it's where my life really started. Mm -hmm. And um, so I ended up going through um, a lot of different realizations and, um, recovering some memories of early abuse from a foster boy who had lived with us. Mm -hmm. And it all started to kind of make sense as to mm -hmm. why I had um, start to basically was self-medicating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I decided to figure myself out and I finally graduated from high school and I went to college <laughs> and I discovered women's studies and I loved women's studies and gender studies. And I loved the language of um, systems and dynamics of power. And that really spoke to me. And especially as someone who was newly kind of forming an identity that was based on bodily autonomy, mm. it really, really spoke to me. So mm -hmm. I, let's see, do you want me to pause a little bit? And then <laughs> we're happy to jump in when the I'm monologuing as uh, Mr. Incredible says. Yes. <laughs> um, so I went ahead and did a bachelor's in women's studies. And then I went to University of Minnesota, Man uh, Mankato. I saw that this yes. morning. Yes. All these connections uh -huh. and did a master's in women's studies. And then I applied for PhD programs and I was accepted and given um, a fellowship into a program that was women's studies and religion. And if I'm being completely honest, I was really disappointed because <laughs> I didn't want to necessarily study religion. I'd kind of been rejecting some of that um, early mm -hmm. religious upbringing and wasn't quite sure how I felt about it, but I did go and um, my PhD is in, well, I got another master's along the way in religious studies. And then my right. PhD is in women's studies and religion. It's so. too bad. You're such an under accomplisher. Really <laughs> disappointing. Right. I mean, you, you start this story by saying I finally got through high school yeah. and then four degrees later. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. I yeah. you know that you know any better than I. Yes. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, it's funny because I was telling you yesterday, I'm not a very quick reader. I, mm -hmm. I can't spell. I have, so I'm missing some really foundational pieces of knowledge because that's what happens when you drink your way through childhood. 
Oh, right. (laughs) So, but that also worked to my benefit because I had such serious imposter syndrome that I studied extra hard and really, you know, (laughs) trying to make up for my deficits. So you can stop saying tried to and say I did. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So it worked out for me. It's funny how some of our hardest times end up working out and giving us gifts. Boy, that is perhaps a phrase never truer stated. I mean, I think I think so often about the moments of my life, including Maz's fall into alcoholism. I would not have picked that on the front end. If someone had said to me 20 years ago, okay, we're looking for a mate for you. Here's some qualities. Irish accent? Absolutely. Highly educated? Sure. Yep. Pleasant and willing to accept your son? Yes. Alcoholic? No thanks. Yep. I would have passed on that, but it has been, and I'll just speak for my side of it, and then you can comment too. It has been truly one of the most extraordinary gifts of my life mm-hmm. to have lived through it. And not just because he came out of it, but because it forced me and gifted me with some personal learning. I couldn't have done any other way. Absolutely. Uh, I think you're right. I mean, I wouldn't have picked it either, but I, I think... I've, I've come out of it probably a far better person than I was when I say, succumbed to alcoholism, I think. Yeah. 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 If we don't, if we don't take the time to learn from the dark, how can we ever celebrate the light? Yeah. Absolutely. And I don't know about you, but I don't personally like to run into a painful experience. No. <laughs> I'm definitely not a firefighter. But not intentionally. You don't yeah. want to go that way. Right. Yeah, I'm definitely run the other way. Yeah. And yet that's that's where I start stretching and growing and transforming into this different version of myself that um is always more um layered and complex Mm -hmm. and I end up having more empathy and my heart grows and I end up being able to connect with different types of people in a, in a more meaningful way. Um, so it is, it is a gift, especially for human, for my humanity and my ability to connect with others. Yeah. I, um, we don't need to go into this, but can you, well, I no, we do need to go into this because I'm curious about it. Can you talk quickly about this United Nations unelected seat that you have, which I find oh, highly fascinating? Yeah, yeah. So um, so that I held for two years okay. and that was with American Mothers. And I think it was 2015 or 16, I was um, elected as the California Mother of the Year. And so I know. I'm sorry. I I was going to say congratulations. I was kind of stunned into silence. There's a lot of mothers in California, (laughs) Amy. That's a big state. That's that's better than mother of the year in Minnesota. Or North Dakota. There's fewer of them. Yes. I mean, it's still a big deal in North Dakota. Don't mishear us. But California's got a lot of mothers. Well, my kids and I joke, and of course, my husband, Kevin, that they just haven't caught me yelling yet. But <laughs> when they called to, to tell me, I said, oh, wow, I'm, I, I'm really flattered, but I'm not sure I can do this. And they said, this isn't about being a perfect mother. It's about representing 
other oh, mothers. Wow, and I said, Oh, great. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> that took the pressure right off. <laughs> that's actually a really lovely thing to represent. Not the Barbie doll version of a woman, but the exactly. complete version of a woman. Exactly. The mother. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So wow. American oh, Mothers was actually founded by, I believe it was Eleanor Roosevelt, and she negotiated for a non-member seat um, at the United Nations when she was um, the first lady. And so that um, other nonprofits and NGOs do have non-member status, but that was a really unique and, and special experience that um, I was able to attend the UN, um, especially the um, sessions on women and children. And, um, you know, I always gravitate towards the sessions on, you know, um, any type of information or action that can help women and children who don't have a lot of bodily autonomy or agency. Yeah. Um, Which so, is so many women not across the planet. I mean, absolutely. men in America. And we have so much more autonomy than so many women everywhere else. It's just extraordinary. It is. It is. So that's how that happened. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's that's that really, really incredible. Okay. Oh, so I want to put up, well, first let me put up this comment from my mother. Oh, yay. You'll read oh, this. Well, that's where the adjectives come from. <laughs> Look at cap, all caps. Yeah, you can tell whose daughter I am. That's awesome. I use a lot of exclamation points in my emails, Bonnie. So. Yeah, just for anyone who's listening, because this is also a podcast, Amy, I think you are fantastic. This is wonderful. Your story is riveting. I think it's good you can't spell real well. It gives the rest of us something to connect to. Seriously, this is impressive. Smiley face. Smiley face, yeah. I would agree with you, Bonnie. Where does Bonnie live? She lives in Minnesota, not too far from where you were. She's in Egan. You have my heart, Bonnie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, here is the transitional website we're going to move to now. Okay. Talk about what you did from 18-year-old young mm -hmm. figuring clearly a number of things out and making it stick. Congratulations, Congratulations. on that. Thank you. Um, Thank you. To now being this, I'm going to go with self-actualized woman who has opted to figure out how to help other women, myself included now, also reach that new place through this work that you are doing with your sister and your sister-in-law called the Whole Health Lab. So that's the end of my introduction. Let's talk about this, this work that you're doing, Amy. Absolutely. So um, first I'll back up a little bit and say that um, it came out of a genuine curiosity for me. I was um, leading a group of researchers. We were um, looking at how national conflict affects women specifically in um, post-genocide uh, Rwanda and post-apartheid South Africa. And we were we originally went into the research project. This was about five, six years ago. I, you know, there you get to an age and everything was two or three years ago. I feel like I'm getting oh, there. COVID was either 10 minutes or 52 yeah. years. Last so week when I was in Rwanda. No. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we went into this research project 
looking at forgiveness specifically and if religion was a hindrance or a help in terms of forgiveness after this conflict, especially in those two countries, because they both had government um, encouragement to make reparations. And so when we looked at all of the interviews, we did, you know, hundreds of interviews I started then going into the neuroscience and looking at um, the brain and what the mechanism of forgiveness in the brain. And this is when I realized that the trauma literature in neuroscience shows that when you do have a really, um, well, it doesn't even have to be a significant trauma. A trauma can be anything that disconnects you from your prefrontal cortex and puts you into your limbic brain and then alters your perception going forward um, in life. And so when that happens, we actually lose, um, first of all, our memories are pretty fragmented. Second of all, we lose access to our language center. And third, we end up having an autonomic or automatic reaction. And so our agency is bypassed by the brain's imperative to survive. And until we address that original issue, we can't reconnect the full perspective, thus making active choices, right? Which I know. So coupled with the literature on forgiveness in the brain, which says in order to forgive, you have to make an active choice first to forgive. Mm. So how do you make an active choice to forgive when you have lost a sense of choice and agency because you can't recover exactly the the scope of what happened. And so that is really where I started just obsessing, obsessing, you know, over the research and realizing we have to find ways to deal with anything hard and adverse that has happened to us, whether it's a big T trauma or sustained toxic stress, right? Mm -hmm. Because if we don't, we're not going to be able to move past that, whether you call it forgiveness or reparations or reconciliation, we're not necessarily going to be able to move into that next phase of making peace. Mm -hmm. And so that was the impetus. And then it turned into, okay, so how do you do that? And, um, as I was talking to my two sisters, one is an MD and uh, one is a therapist. And we realized we had all been working in this same area of toxic stress and trauma in our respective fields without realizing it. Uh So we came together and decided, (laughs) let's offer a program that is clinically based, based on all the research and all the metadata that shows what's actually working to heal from chronic stress or trauma. And that's what we did. So it has some talk aspects where sometimes we can talk about adversity, but the research actually shows the more we talk about our specific trauma, those neural pathways actually go deeper in our brain and then we can get re-triggered. So Mm -hmm. one of the best ways to deal with um, toxic stress or trauma is through the body. But if you go to talk therapy, which I am a huge proponent of, I mean, I love talk therapy. I told you all yesterday, my family and I are in therapy right now, trying to overcome sibling rivalry and figure out some skills, you know, for um, 
for making sure that we're not carrying on patterns. So I love talk therapy. But if you go to a talk therapist, it is highly unlikely they're going to have you do a yoga, trauma-informed yoga or meditation or EFT tapping or any of the modalities that in the scientific literature show to be as effective or more effective than talk therapy specifically for trauma or toxic stress. And who has the money to pay for a therapist and then go pay for a somatic experiencing coach and then go to get to a meditation retreat, or maybe even it's just to download an app, but it, there was no place where you could get everything all in one spot. And so that's what we've done. We've combined all the somatic therapy, which somatic is body with talking with community and then uh, with resilience training, because we're going to continue to have hard things happen in our lives. And when hard things happen, if we've built resilience, it's like mental uh, or physical fitness. If you've been working out, you are more able to reduce injury. Doesn't mean you won't have a fall. It doesn't mean you're not going to twist your ankle, but your body will be more able to um, get over that physical injury. And that's the same with mental fitness. If we build resilience when we have our next adversity, and that is guaranteed in life, we will be able to bounce back and um, do so in a way that is hopefully less stressful and, and quicker. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that is the whole health lab. And that was that was how we started. Incredibly interesting. I know. Isn't yeah. it amazing? <laughs> so we, we tell this funny story sometimes. I um, When Maz was living in uh, inpatient rehab I, and I could go visit him, I showed up on a Wednesday visit or whenever it was, and he came hobbling in like he had been in a street brawl. And I thought, oh my gosh, <laughs> what happened? And so he kind of gingerly sat oh, down God. like a 95-year-old. Well, I wasn't paying. And I said, what? happened to you? And he said, yoga. <laughs> yeah, you get a bunch yoga. of addicts in a room together and decided to get a beer. Hey, let's get out of yoga mats and stretch. <laughs> Nothing good comes out of that. I can tell you. <laughs> your, your body was a little in shock. Oh, <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. But, but, you know, I, I can say this, I even understood without knowing any of the research that what, what we so often do just as human beings is we disconnect our bodies from our minds, from our emotions, from our physical presence, often um, out of necessity. I mean, there's things so horrific that you just have to kind of divorce yourself, Mm -hmm. but then often from a place of just an unconscious, this is too hard to think about. This makes me feel bad. I'll go eat a bag of chips. I'll go, drink too much, whatever it is that that you use to sort of act as that buffer between between acknowledging what's painful or uncomfortable and really sitting with it. And I feel so fortunate that as an actor, I spent a tremendous amount of time breathing, studying breathing. And, you know, Breathing is like blinking. We all take it for granted because we all understand we do it, but we so rarely pay any attention to it. And when you do, the transformation is almost 
immediate. I mean, people who've never had this experience always roll their eyes at me, but I spent a summer studying Shakespeare in the Catskills of New York. There were 50 of us and every morning we would do 45 minutes of deep breathing exercises. So there we all are lying on the floor, breathing and to a purse, to a morning, 10 weeks of this, somebody would go, uh, and they would start to cry. Yes. And then pretty soon all 50 of us were crying. And yes. you could say, well, of course you were, it was 50 actors, which is true. <laughs> sorry, sorry. sorry. Maz about lost his drink there. We did. But it's also a case of that is, that's a really profoundly intimate thing to do to consciously mm. breathe. And we just don't do it because it, it can be really painful. Absolutely. Well, I, I also think that we tend to minimize, at least I do, the simple things as that there's no way that's going to be effective. Mm -hmm. I need to go find someone and go talk in detail about every bad thing that happened. And that's going to be effective. But in mm -hmm. fact, the research shows specifically with trauma or toxic stress Breath work is as effective or more effective than talking about what's happened to us. Mm. Isn't that interesting? It is very interesting. And breath work was actually one of my first, um, you know, of course I had recovery and I had talk therapy, but breath work was one of the very first somatic tools that I used a few years ago. And it cracked me open. Mm -hmm. And I, I had, you know, I almost didn't go to the session. A friend invited me and I thought, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and of course I was the one on the floor sobbing, yep. you know? Yep. Um, and so th that was my, I have a, a deep affinity for breath work and an appreciation for it. I do too. I want to put up some comments, Amy, see if there's anything for you to respond to. I can't ever read them until they show up. So I'm I don't sure. know what we're looking at. I'm, they're too far away for me. <laughs> um, I think it's important for people to have their own Zen space in order to reconnect and be able to come to terms with certain things that are going on within ourselves. Not always easy to find, but when you do, it makes a wonderful outlet to healing. Boy, let me just put in a plug for our friend, John Z, Amy. Uh, if you ever make your way back up here, I will drive you the hundred miles to John's garden because John's garden, I think, is truly one of the most magical places I have ever been. That is an outlet. I don't care what you've lived through. If you sat in that garden, you yeah. would be healed. Yeah. It's an incredible space. So I think John knows what he speaks because he's out there, you know, gardens he has found. You got to work on Yep. His Zen space. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, there is a lot of research. I'm sure John probably knows this intuitively, but maybe also intellectually of, you know, literally walking on the ground with bare feet mm -hmm. helps us. It literally can help ground us. And that mm -hmm. sounds so, you know, so much of this, I thought, oh, that's so woo woo. It's not science. And that's why we went to the science when we were putting together our program, because I knew I was having these healing experiences with these things that didn't seem like hard science. But in fact, when you start looking through the research, it's there and yeah. it, you just have to look in different disciplines. It's not always gonna be in psychology. Sometimes it's occupational therapy. Sometimes it's religious studies. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's medicine, neuroscience. And so if you start looking at the literature in many different disciplines, you see this theme of the body 
really being the true mechanism to healing and having that Zen space or walking in nature is part of that. Yeah, absolutely. One more comment. Yeah. There's a player that I can't quit thinking about and I would love to know what she is made of and how she did what she did. Your friend that called your parents. Oh, so yeah. Okay. Mm. It's an incredible thing for a young person to do knowing you may very well lose your friend and more. That person is one I won't forget. I guess do the hard thing in the lesson. You might be being used by the universe to get someone someplace that they can't get if you don't do the hard thing. Boy, isn't that true? If she had just thought she'll be mad at me and she'll mm. figure this out because we're young and everybody drinks, it'll be fine. Mm. We probably wouldn't be having this conversation because you clearly, mm -hmm. Hazelton didn't say to you, it's, it's, uh, it's, so <laughs> it's a mistake. Your parents are overreacting. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure it wasn't because they needed the money. I mean, I'm sure they actually believed you needed. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, there was a waiting list back then. And this was in the late 80s. Mm. Um, you know, I, we had to wait a month for a bed to open up. So this is this is and yeah. the and it's even harder now to yeah. find um, open availability for in treatment facilities. So um, to answer your mom's question, uh, Becca is her name. And yeah, she, Becca. Yeah, she's incredible. She is a mom of three beautiful children. She is, um, I would say, very self-actualized and has led a great, wonderful life with also hardship and also her own journey of coming through that and, find, you know, rediscovering herself. But yeah. she's amazing. Oh, that's brilliant. To hear. That's lovely. So I have a, um, I have a, clinical question, I guess, for lack of a better way sure. to say it. Um, as I'm listening to you talk about how talk therapy can actually sort of further cement things, that has me wondering about the efficacy of daily toes. <laughs> so, you know, could be twice, our last episode. It could be. Twice a week, we get on and we talk about this journey into, out of, and and back to healing. And um, sometimes it's a little accusatory from this one to that one. And mm -hmm. you know, it, it's clear to me that sometimes I get up and think, oh, wow, you're still working through stuff. Yeah, yeah. Which is part yeah. of why I'm now with you. It's I'm trying yes. without doing it on Maz's back. Yes. Um, so where, what do you say about that, mm -hmm. you know, from this very immediate perspective? Yeah. So the first thing that comes to mind is when, and so, so keep in mind, let's put a framework around my, um, my statements that talk therapy can be re-triggering and that is for a traumatic event. And so, um, again, what you're talking about was traumatic. Um, and even though it was over a period of time, it caused what we would call chronic stress or toxic stress. Mm -hmm. And so there's a couple different um, areas of research on this. One, that when we do talk about it and we are forming um, new areas of framing it. So right now, I would say by the just by virtue of doing this show, you're reframing how this affected you. So you, when you talk about it, you're not sitting saying, um, I am a, I, this is a static event mm -hmm. and my feelings are static about this. 
it's actually dynamic and you're processing. And as we process, mm. we start reframing the experience. And so that can be beneficial, especially in a relationship, mm. right? Because it is a dynamic exchange. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, my husband and I, we, we still go to therapy about every five years, we end up back in therapy. We've been married almost 22 years and it'll be like, oh. oh, thank you. But you know, you reach that point, you're like, you are getting on my nerves and I know I'm getting <laughs> on yours. It is time to go see someone again. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. It's been about five years. We need some skills. We need yeah. a refresh. And so I think with relationships, I, I find it so beneficial to have a trained third party to, to listen to both of us and help figure out what we're doing. Um, and by virtue of doing this show, you publicly, you have a lot of third parties. They may not necessarily be trained therapists, <laughs> but obviously you have found, oh, there's, there's a part of me that has some stuff to work through. And so you're, you're taking care of that as well. So yeah. I actually feel like this could be very healthy and a great outlet. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. I was hoping that was the answer, but I didn't want to assume that was the yeah, answer. Yeah. And I was prepared to hear you say, yeah, this is probably making things worse. My recommendation is you stop this. No, no. In fact, but, you know, again, I haven't watched a lot of episodes, but if you repeated the same exact incident publicly and were sh using shaming language, um, that could be problematic. And so watching how we frame things, um, watching what we focus on. And, and it does seem just the whole platform of the show is focusing on the post-traumatic growth is what I, I see. Do, certainly, yeah. yes. Yeah. And that's resilient building. I mean, that is oh. like resilience 101. Okay. post-traumatic growth. It's like, what have we learned from this? How are we moving forward through this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's I think it's a gift that you're letting people into this dynamic. Oh, excellent. Thank you. That's that's yeah. a good answer. It's um, quite vulnerable. So I'm I'm really impressed. Well, it can be, yeah. Um, I will just say to the watching audience, how surprised could anyone be that I have signed up to do this whole health lab? And I I mean, I didn't even have a chance to meet you before I signed up for it, but the let me put the website back up just in case anyone missed it before. Um, so it's mendingtrauma.com backslash whole health, whole health lab, excuse me. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit about just quickly, because I know you have a place to be as well. Let's talk about um, sort of who's this program for, Amy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and what, what are you discovering from it? Mm -hmm. That's really, thank you. That's a great question. Um, well, we do have a, a goal to help as many people as possible. Right now, we have developed the program specifically for high-achieving individuals. And the reason we did that is because, well, twofold. One, um, typically, they are less afraid to then go tell people what's, mm -hmm. what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And we, Clearly. that's a great way for people to understand and, and word of mouth. But second of all, the, my sisters and I, we realized that our particular response to trauma and toxic stress was work and overworking mm -hmm. and overachieving. Yeah. 
and the constant hustle. And I always say now, you know, I don't drink, but work is my drug of choice. Yeah. And so I constantly have to um, set those boundaries because in our culture, we're praised for overworking. And so it's really, um, it's important, I believe, that we are able to accept compliments and we are able to recognize our accomplishments. And I think those are wonderful. And we also want to um, look at how that might be another way of numbing out. Mm. And so particularly the whole health lab takes high achieving people. We meet them where they're at. Um, the content is easily digestible. It's very short. The modules are very short. Each video is very short. You can watch it on the go. We have a downloadable app. And we also have all the somatic tools as well. Um, and, you know, for instance, our tapping technique that was done by a certified um, emotional freedom tapping technique practitioner who also happens to be a Harvard psychiatrist. So we, you know, what the awesome thing about putting a program together like this, that's digital and online is you can grab from all the experts and say, sure. Hey, would you do this for us? And we would love to pay you for this. And this will live in our community. Mm -hmm. And so it's for busy people. It's for, um, really for, people who are looking to kind of get unstuck. Okay. So we're not sitting around talking about capital T trauma all day. We'll use that phrase, but we're really looking to help people get out of their own way. Because I, as I mentioned, we have those autonomic responses and we end up sabotaging ourselves accidentally. And we don't even know how or why but it's all of the nervous system dysregulation and the cognitive distortion that comes from chronic stress or trauma. And so if you, you know, you could have a capital T trauma or you could have something that is just a sustained hardship that has altered um, how you operate in the world. And the program still works the same because the science is about reconnecting your nervous system and reprogramming your brain. So I, I loved my conversation with you and your sister, Lena, because I took two assessments. I took the ACE test mm -hmm. to assess childhood trauma. Yep. And I mean, I'm not afraid to, or ashamed to admit I got a one because my That's parents- like a miracle. You're one of I, almost, you're a unicorn. I'm it's sure amazing. that that is true. And any minute now, my mother's going to chime in and say, well, when Dina talked to me about it, I got a zero. So, <laughs> um, but, She's know, an OG unicorn. A, yeah, I got a barely one because I was almost an adult when my parents got divorced. Mm -hmm. But my kind of current level of, I forget exactly what it's called, but kind of my current state was fairly high. Mm -hmm. And Raina said to me, um, you admit you said in the assessment that you are uh like jumpy yeah and you know poor maz and our son quinn will both admit that i can know that they're in the house i can hear them coming towards me and they'll say to me mom and i'll go what yeah i mean i i might be the most tightly wound human being i have yeah. ever met Ask yeah. Queen if she wants a cup of tea is a tightrope sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
So the piece that makes me really um, so grateful to have found you is that I don't have any big T trauma in my life. I am unbelievably fortunate to not have some of those life altering traumas. Mm -hmm. That being said, I've had plenty of ongoing stress. I've had periods of uncertainty and periods of difficulty. And I would say, find me the person who hasn't. Absolutely. And what you helped me lean into was there is a place for me to say to people, I didn't have big T trauma, but I've had difficulties and I need to work through them. And no one's going to say to me, well, that's not bad enough. It's it's like you going to Hazleton. They didn't say to you, sure, you might learn too much, but it's not that bad. No, it was bad enough to get yeah. to stay. Yeah. You made me feel like I belonged here yeah. and I never belong anywhere. Oh. So I just think, I just think anybody watching this look into the site. I mean, I'm four days into it, so I'm not really uh, versed enough in it to be able to say, and now I'm cured. Yeah, right. <laughs> I wish I were. Yeah. yeah, right. But, but look into this program. If you have felt for much of your life, like you lived through something hard, but it wasn't hard enough mm -hmm. to merit getting help. Mm. Yeah. That's an incredible thing. I I've almost never in my entire life felt the way I felt when I got off that call with the two of you, because you did not discount the fact that my life has been hard for me. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, thank you. We made the mistake of relating ourselves to other people. Yeah. Like, and thinking there's a hierarchy. Is, my gosh, no wonder there's something wrong with you. you your life is terrible. Mine's fine, but it doesn't exactly. matter. It's still your trauma. Exactly. Well, my immune system doesn't know how to hierarchically rank trauma. My my nervous system doesn't go. Eh, it just and winds me up from the minute I wake up until the minute I go to sleep. And that's why I love going back to the neuroscience and the psycho the psych biology essentially yeah. literature, which is a newer field in the last fifteen years, um, because it we don't have to compare stories. We just know there are certain symptoms of a dysregulated nervous system. And that's all we need to assess is what are our symptoms. So we don't have to focus and make a story about our identity being what happened to us. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it can be part of our identity. It certainly is part of mine. This is who I am because I got sober and because mm -hmm. I had that. However, we can focus on reducing symptoms by doing things that we know work mm -hmm. because of research. And I think, it's, it levels the, the pain hierarchy field, right? Cause yeah. pain is pain and dysregulation is dysregulation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Amy, thanks so much for joining us. I got onto the first group call last night and we'd had a guest who canceled. And so I said, anybody want to join? And Amy, I'm just going to say you, um, failed in your, I'm trying not to overwork because I know you add this to your plate, but I sure well, appreciate I'm that you did. I appreciate the fact that you did. So you and your sisters do fantastic work. I thank you for that. And I hope. Thank I you. You're so excited to me, for me to not be hysterical no, every time I, you I walk think into you're the fine. room. You're like Mary Poppins. You are practically perfect in every way. You know, yes. you don't want to yell a little bit more. That's fine. <laughs> yes. I'm good. I, I feel that deeply. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Well, thank you, Maz. And thank you, Dana. 
Well, it's thank an honor you. to be here. Thanks for sharing your story and for doing this work. I know I'm not going to be the only one who benefits from it. Mm. And um, everybody else, maybe we'll have Amy back as I get deeper into the oh, program, or we'll have Lena on, yeah. um, yeah. and we'll talk a little bit more about it as we can use what I'm uncovering without revealing anybody else's. Yeah, so, if you're comfortable with that, we're we would love we would be honored. Any clearly, yeah. I'm happy to talk about almost yeah. anything. So, well, Amy, so awesome. to me, yeah, and I hope you and your family enjoy the the holiday weekend. Yes. Thank you so much. You too. Thank you. Thanks so much, Amy. Everybody else, we will be back next week. Happy 4th of July. Be safe. Don't blow your fingers and, you know, other stuff off. Uh, probably that involves don't drink and light the fireworks. Yes. And that's take, pretty important. Make a thought for pets and veterans. Yes. Yes. Pets and veterans. So put up notices if you're going to be doing fireworks because that can be really trauma triggering for many, many people for lots and lots of reasons. So have a great day, everyone. We will see you next week. Bye. Amy, thanks again. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and DD. If you enjoyed the content and want to learn more, head over to Facebook to Daily Dose Dr. Mary DD. You can find us on YouTube under Dana DelVal. And if you want to get signed up for our weekly newsletter, Email me at D-A-Y-N-A at D-A-Y-N-A-D-E-L-V-A-L dot com. Have a great day. We hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.